been a star of their season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome to episode 27. I'm your host, Brandon Sanders. You can find me on Twitter at CFF University. And we're going to keep this ball rolling with the conference previews. And of course, I got a guy that's actually originally from the East Coast, but he's made the West Coast his home. Of course, this man has the USC jersey of Mr. Leinert. He's probably got one now. The new, another guy, Mr. Caleb Williams. Oh, I do. That's right. It's Mr. Eric Froton. You can find him at Twitter at CFF Froton. Welcome to the show, buddy. It's been a hot minute. How you been? My brother, very nice to see you. Absolutely, Brandon. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but the uh, I think it was the first ever podcast that I that I ever tried to put out over you know any kind of airways that we we're gonna do. I forget. I forget it was what, a three hour it was just us. It was just you. for CFFU, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was going to be the Patreon, and then you'd hit me up, and you're like, hey, I want to collaborate. And I was like, let's talk about the Mac. And you're like, all right, and then it went about three hours. Uh, yeah. Never made a lot of day. I don't know where that recording went, but if I find Ooh. it, I should just do like an unreleased episode of just talking about Mac. Because it, yep, like, it was us and, and KB, and, and yeah, horns up, welcome uh, KB, yeah. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Brown wow. out there venturing into America and doing his thing, man, living wild and free. But oh uh, good to have you back on, man. And of course, we got to talk about the Pac-12. You're out there on the West Coast now. You've made right. it your home on there as well. So we're going to talk up some guys as well. Before we do, let's go ahead and knock out some of the, I call it the homework, but you know, we can find all our stuff over at campuscan.com, articles, tools. The CFF guide is available. You can pick that up for $20. Or if you pick up any membership you want, the higher membership that you go, the free guys that you get. So please go check that out. A lot of cool new articles, a lot of conference stuff, coaches stuff. Um, stuff coming up from camp that's starting to happen as well. A lot of news from the media days and things like that. So go check out that as well. Eric's also dropping a lot of stuff over NBC Sports Edge. Eric, I believe you dropped one on Michigan, I think it was today. Was that the one? Yes, that sir. My Michigan team preview goes through pretty much soup to nuts. I, I the uh, you know, We picked up the Big Ten and be seated. So we'll have those night games. In fact, we got Michigan at Michigan State, we announced. I heard that's going to be a raucous affair. Uh, which, you know, I probably won't be able to attend, but man, I'd love to. Uh, but, uh, so I've been doing every single big 10 team. I'm just going to wrap it up tomorrow morning. I'll be putting out Ohio state, but it's put out Michigan today. And, uh, it's about 2000 words as in-depth as an analysis as you're going to find, you know, uh, on the internet, if you're looking to get a full, uh, soup to nuts preview, offense, defense, all the relevant statistics that kind of, uh, kind of help explain what this team was last year, what they can help be this year, and whether or not they will clear their over-under. There you go. So definitely go check that out over at NBC Sports Edge. Eric's always dropping some heat, so go check out his work as well. Of course, we have a little partnership here over at Campus Camp with Homefield. You save 15% sign off if you use the code CAMPUS2CANTON. I know, uh, Eric, you already got, a like you said, a jersey of Leinart. You got Caleb Williams. Are you going to be uh, partaking in some Homefield USC gear? Are you going to go some UMass? Are you... Looking to add to your collection there to go with that sweet CFF site shirt that you got going on, man? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, if any – I've got my C2C shirts, too. I probably should have worn one yeah. of those. Uh, yeah, I've got two of them, in fact. So, anybody, if you – it's well known. If you give me merch, I'm going to wear it. So, of that's course. how it goes with me. I, I, I love 
I love adding to the gear. In fact, yeah, USC. I actually just pulled out a sweet BYU. Okay. That I'll be unveiling at okay, the, the King's Classic draft in Canton. I'm going to unveil this jersey. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a legendary one. I'm very excited about it. An homage to the first ever pick in the history of my college fantasy football life back in 2001, the immortal Luke Staley. So BYU, All-American, in your hearts, and in the programs. Yeah. 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 Luke Staley stands, so it'll be good to see (laughs) see it up in person. I thought about it with my boy Cody Epps, but, you know, maybe it's it's fine. I'll take Luke Staley as well, man. (laughs) But we're going to throw back, baby. We're going to throw back, not the modern day on that one, but we're going to talk about some modern day today, and that's the Pac-12 conference and talking about the skill positions here as well. We're going to start out first with good old Mr. Jaden Rashada. He's an on-three consensus, 95.06, a four-star athlete, and he did commit to Arizona State, but not before originally committing to Florida, and he decided to jump ship and join on there as well. He's 6'3 and a half, 185 pounds, a little bit more of a thinner frame passer, but he has an impressive arm talent and keeps his cool and patient pressure, which is good. That's like what you see. We don't want people freaking out or anything like that. He has the arm strength to drive the ball downfield into tight windows. And he possesses functional movement skills to escape the pass rush. So he's a three-level passer, and they said that he did a really great job. He's a productive player, Proton. Last season, he threw for 2,220 yards, 27 touchdowns, and only five interceptions. So that's a really good ratio to have as well as well. So he can be a little inconsistent with the ball placement at times, but he has showed flashes of improvement in his uh, camps that he did. So whether it's the seven-on-sevens, the 11-on-11s as well. But uh, he originally was at, uh, you know, at Florida. He may have saw some writing on the wall. Good old Sunbelt Billy having a little bit of trouble down there in Florida, I'd say. Um, but uh, maybe he can turn around. He's got a, maybe like a year or two left before he moves it back around. But Jaden Rashad moved over to Arizona State. Um, they gave him a pro comparison of Christian Packenberg, who was there at Penn State in 2013. They said that Rashad has tarm, top arm talent and the ability to drive the football down the field. But he showed more pure passing ability at this level than that of Christian Hackenberg. Of course, Hackenberg didn't really do too much there once he got to the NFL, but he was a solid uh, NCAA play and stuff like that. So what was your thoughts on Rashada coming over to Arizona State? Were you stoked to have him? Do you, were you a Drew Pine guy? Like, what was your thought process uh, looking at Arizona State and Rashada joining the team, man? Oh, there's so many Drew Pine guys out there. I know, Brandon. <laughs> Show me these Drew Pine guys. No, I'm a it's on the uh, no, I'm a Tread Borgay Borget uh, fan. Yeah. Shall we go now? Um, <laughs> those uh, those two gentlemen, unfortunately, are just going to be sort of placeholders until Rashada Jordan Rashada uh, sort of comes of age. I saw him at the Elite Eleven camp, the final last year, and. Uh, I have to say, like, you look at the physical package and he's, you know, has a an athletic lean frame. Not like, you know, not like Malachi Nelson lean. He's super, he's skinny, but, you know, look, thinner frame. Uh, and you can see the power in his arm. Like, he's he's got a, he can juice it up when you need to. Uh, but he was, I, like, there was bouts of inconsistency when I watched him over, over the that camp. And while the tools are there, I do think he'll, I don't think he'll step in right away this year. I think it'll take just a, a little bit to acclimate, but geez, by next year, they're not paying him all that NIL money, you know, to switch, to go to the, go to the, whatever is remaining of the PAC 12 after the Colorado and maybe more Exodus. 
Yes. Um, you know, they, they, he's over there to, to, he will be playing by the end of the season. I, I don't think that that's much, of, I mean, that's going to happen. So no better way to, to learn than by doing by game, by week eight, he'll, he'll be the starting QB here. I think. Yeah. I think the consensus and he, he got picked around one pick 13 in the CFF, uh, in the recent dynasty draft that we did. So out of 14 teams. So he was right there at the end. Had it been a 12, normal 12 team, he'd have been the top of the second. So, I mean, like that's really solid. People are that's, excited that's about right him. On the money. Yep. That yep. sounds good to me. And right around where, where he's going. Um, in the drafts that I've been doing. So yeah, absolutely. After the big five go, he's, he's generally been the six. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't really think of anyone else who's really, really challenging him. Oh, well, you know, there's always Austin Mack. Yeah, there's all, yeah, there's, there's Mack and we'll talk about possibly Mr. Austin Mack here in a couple minutes, but, um, you know, like he's a he's a guy that not a lot of people are excited about. Drew Pine, like they think he's got a short leash. We're going to look at the games. I would probably look at a bye week and see when Arizona State has their bye, because I wouldn't be surprised if we see a change in the guard already before there as well. But he's a guy that you need to know. Like I said, a thinner frame, uh, 185 pounds. I hope he puts on one. Uh, usually, the average I believe Moxley was saying is about 15 pounds or so that he puts on. So if he can get to the 200 pound level, I think he would be more than okay as well. Um, any other thoughts that you have on Mr. Machado before we wrong get there? Yeah, I mean, he'll have a good wide receiver core to work with over there. Yeah. Jordan Tyson coming off uh, an ACL. He was over 20 yards a catch in that, that range uh, for uh, Colorado last year. Um, obviously, Elijah Badger is a guy who's gotten a lot of 2024 buzz. Mm-hmm. Currently in the home C2C league and in the 10th round just took Carson Beck. Yeah. But – I would say that probably the, the wide receiver board, he's at the very top of the list of guys I think that I think will be going in the next two rounds. So that's pretty that's pretty good territory that we're talking about in terms of respect. So yeah. uh, he will at least have some some beast guys throw. And Jalen Conyers, their tight end there. Um, he's a, a consensus top five CFF guy. Yep. And uh, it all depends, you know, if you're going to put up CFF numbers – the, the pros are going to look at you. You know, it's Pac-12 still is a Power Five conference at this present time for this year. Will be. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's going to be talent around him. So he's going to have an opportunity to succeed. And Kenny Dillingham, you know, uh, another guy we we certainly respect. Look how he revived Bo Nix last year. You know, and Mercedes exactly. coming right out of the gate. You got to think that a, a, a verified QB guru like him. Will uh, will have some effect on them. So, mm-hmm. look, you know, wheels up based on staff. Opportunity is going to be there uh, from a CFF and from a C two C Debbie perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got to be respected on all fronts. Absolutely, and the NIL money also pushes him to the front of the line as well. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Stewart, uh, you know, they got him and Wagman in there pretty quickly when they needed to there at A and M. So oh, yeah. it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So let's move on to the next guy who actually has a lot of the same frame. And this is Mr. Austin Novosad. Of course, he is an on-three consensus 93.80, another four-star athlete who committed to Oregon, jumped from over from Baylor once the Oregon position became available. I believe there was a move between Dante moving to UCLA, which is uh, – we already talked about Dante in the first episode. Who doesn't love some Dante more for this year? Mm-hmm. Or maybe 
the end as well. You can pick Garbers if you want, but I think it's just a matter of time before Dante is, is starting, right? And I think that's going to be the same about Novosad once, I believe, Bo Nix leaves because Novosad, I think, is a really, really solid man. He's also 6'3", 185 pounds. Uh, he went round one pick 12, so he actually went a pick before um, Rashada in the pick. So someone really loves them, some Oregon players, and they love the system there as well. Um, that's a really good pure pocket passer, man. Clean mechanics to go on with it, uh, ability to throw with timing and touch. So he's got a nice finesse. Uh, he was a, this is a big Matthew Bruning guy. Bruning saw him at the Elite 11, I believe, like the regionals when like, no one really yep. knew who he was. And Bruning's like, we got to check this guy out. Also, Novosad is really, really solid. And sure enough, he came right to the ranks as soon as he got seen in the Elite 11 and became a household name, man. So he shows nuance as a passer, he can deliver well located throws. Um, he has room to add mass, so just like everyone else, a good solid 15 pounds won't hurt him. So just like you, man, you got to you know, eat your smoothie and have a protein shake and make sure you're just looking mm -hmm. good and well, man. So you just gotta, uh, but he has some uh, some occasional rushing upside, too, which I think was pretty solid as well. So um, he had, like, small ones, so, like, 27 yards as a junior, 23 as a senior, but they think that he has room to add additional rushing yards here over at Oregon. Uh, he needs to show the ability to play outside of the structure. So basically, he needs if a play breaks down, Novosad just needs a little bit better about processing and kind of moving around as well. But he gets a pro comparison of Jared Goff, man, Mr. Cal there in 2013, first overall pick over when he went to the Rams before he get traded to New Life there, the Detroit Lions. So they said that Austin Novosad's throw motion, build and playing style is a lot of the same pocket presence. But yeah, man, uh, you know, he uh, compares to Jared Goff. But what do you think about the round pick, the round one pick 12? You're a fan of Austin Novosad. What do you see about his tape and what do you liked about him, man? Yeah, uh, another guy I got to see at the Elite 11 uh, final, which is just a invaluable experience over there at Redondo Beach High School. And, uh, you know, what I thought, seeing him in person, what, what really stuck out to me, and, and his film, is just how mechanically proficient he is. He's, he's almost like a robot. Like, you see kids, mm, yeah. uh, some of their drops vary, you know, their footwork varies. No, every time Nova's had, it's one, two, three, bang, one, two, three, tilt, look, there read, read, bang. And it's just the way he goes about his business and the way that he makes his progressions, the way he goes through every throw, through every drop back, you know, um, he's so mechanically sound. He's so, so, like, just, you can see that he's thought about each movement and how it goes in. Very little wasted motion. Uh, nice, repeatable, clean delivery. It, it's easy to see what Matt saw in that regional Right, because you know, he was you know, props to Bruning. He was he was definitely I was the first guy I heard his name from, mm -hmm. and did, did nothing but confirmed it when I got to see it for myself. And yeah. uh, I think your analysis is great. It's it's just a matter of when he gets moved off his spot. You know, is rolling? Is he going through the three reads? You know, is he making sure that he still has, you know, the passes? He still got his his arms up, still looking downfield, not just breaking the pocket and gone. And, uh, and if he can still make his progressions when he is on the roll to, to find and identify the right receiver, you know, it's a, a skill set. He really didn't have to do a lot in high school because of the system. Um, but that will be, you know, the test of whether or not he gets to be the, the starting quarterback next year or whether or not Ty Thompson beats him out. But yeah, Austin knows that it feels like it's just inevitable. The, everything, the way he looks, the structure, the way he carries himself. Uh, it's, it's hard not to like him. Like I, Really liked him. Believe in him. Great system. Everything you want at Oregon. Uh, absolutely. And frankly, yeah. I, I mean, him and Rashetta right there. 
makes yeah. makes all the sense in the world. I could see you liking either one. I would probably are we talking C two C or or any CFF dynasty? But we can CFF dynasty. God, yeah, it's yeah. tight, isn't it? I probably prefer Novasad and CFF. I I I'd probably prefer yeah. Rashad right long term. Just you know, athleticism in the arm. Dicky right, just the capabilities at Oregon right. It just seems like a better. I don't know. Surefire shot being in Oregon, right? You know, like a, oh god, the, this, the highs are so high. Yes, yeah. the ceiling is ridiculous, basically. So that's why I think he went like the spot before Rashada. But this guy, these guys, both are like right at the tier step down. You know, if you're not taking Dante Arch, you know, all those guys at the top, the cream of the crop, brother, that we're talking about, basically. Mm -hmm. so, um, what was your uh, what's your thoughts? You think it's a good pick? You know, as far as like the round one pick twelve, you know, that's pretty solid, right? Or do you feel like maybe he could be taken out of value, or do you think that's right on the money? Would you say? I think that's where he's going to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, with the nature of two, sometimes you get two in a super flex, like right. the, the Nate League. You know, some some three in some. Mm -hmm. The initial C two C league I did has three QBs starting. So when you're talking about the depth of some of these leagues and the amount of teams, hey. Having a bankable, a big-time program where he's always going to have superior talent around him. Jury and right. Dickie came in with him. Yeah. You know, congratulations. Okay. You know, and sophomore and, and junior wide receivers that are just as solid too. So, absolutely, it's it's going to be he's going to be just fine. He's always going to have a good line. He's always going to have Phil Knight and mm -hmm. Nike down the road. So, um, with that kind of support, those are the sort of things that you can. They're transfer proof. Right. If they're transferring out, it's because they couldn't hack it. And right. if you're transferring in, it's because you're the best of the best. So those transfer proof schools now are even more important because look, look at Purdue. Yeah, it was a good time. How they the, the Brom train kept on rolling. It was it a did. good run. We it all was. enjoyed it. Chuck Sizzle comes in out right. of nowhere. Out yep. of nowhere, yep. boom, he's getting drafted <laughs> by the Bengals, you know? Yep. So um, there are certain kingmakers out there that once they're gone, once it changes, it changes immediately. With Oregon, they're always going to be a destination. They're always going to be a top dog, especially in the West Coast. So I, I, I think that when you factor all that in, you know, the lack of program instability, not to say that you would get that out of Arizona State, you know, but uh, I, I think you could say that his – over the past couple of years, there has been some tumult. Um, you know, Dillingham's in town now, so they have a, a you know, a, it's not rudderless or is it that top-down Herm Edwards role? Getting fired after Eastern Michigan, <laughs> but uh, but it's still there's something about Oregon. I get it. Oregon's majestic. Um, but let's talk about another guy and the rival to the Ducks, and that's their Washington, Mister Austin Mack, who actually reclassified from the, he was going to be in the 2024 class, decided he wanted to be in the 2023 class of two sport athletes, football and basketball. And 2022, as his first year started, he completed 269 of 382 passing attempts at 70.4%, pretty solid. And he went for 3,498 yards and 40 touchdowns with only five interceptions. So I don't, I'm not quite sure of Folsom. I'm not sure. Like it's, it's D1 championship in California. So, I mean, you're a Cali guy now. I don't know if yep. you're a, High school levels yet or not but i feel like that's like you know los altos and all those guys that are just solid high school if you're in d1 that's got to be decent you know as far as championships austin mac letting it rip in the high school level man just came on strong man 
I have no pro comparison for him because, you know, he uh, he came out of nowhere. Basically, I tried to look in the C2C annuals and see if there's pretty much like them, but they haven't, you know, they don't have like a C2C comparison just yet. So I'll, maybe I'll go off of you and what you're thinking of your years in CFF, who he looks like to you, maybe. Um, but he's 6'8", 206 pounds. So he's a big boy for a time. That yeah, man, dude, you, you notice him on film. Yeah. <laughs> like, he stands out. He's like brock osweiler which i don't like to bring up as a broncos fan but whatever brock osweiler tall like arizona state level right and 206 pounds means he's not going to just get moved around he might be able to plow through some people if his o-line happens to crack i'm sure he could throw a shoulder down he'd be just fine but he did go round four pick three to our boy jared so he picked up boston mac here in in our cff draft so which i thought was a really solid one what's your thoughts about austin mac and what do you think about him reclassifying and moving up a year man yeah dude he's a large man. Like you said, 6'8". It's sort of like, it's almost like he's one of those towering pitchers, you know, sort of a, a figure on the field. It's like when you'd see, I guess, here's the thing, like when you'd see Terrell Pryor out there, it's like, right. this yeah. guy is, he's big. He just sticks out, you know, behind mm-hmm. under center. I, that's what I kind of think when I saw Pryor. So, um, but, you know, throwing wise, he's generating power and he's generating torque. He's a, he's a big kid. And while you hear that and you're like basketball, okay, six, eight, whoa, he didn't, he didn't run as much as I kind of expected to. He, he, he right. can move, but he's, he's, I, I consider him more of a pro style prospect than, than a dual threat because he's got a big arm, you know, like, I mean, that's his calling card. That's why he's here and he reclassified because the kid's got, I mean, when he wants to get the ball and drive the ball downfield, he's throwing it with touch and accuracy and he's hitting guys in stride, you know, and and it's not a, um, you know, high effort motion that, which is something that you look for when, you know, compared to like a uh, a Novasad, it's different because mechanically, sure, he's a little more loose. Right. He's a little more, you know, he could use that extra year, which is why it's great that he classified. Okay, what is he going to do? He's going to go to high school. He's going to go and do a, a senior year in high school. Or he goes for classifies, and I'm going to work with Kalen DeBoer for a year and right. understudy under Michael Penix, who also right. I got to see Penix throw. At this year's Elite Eleven, he was one of the camp right. counselors, and he looked the best out of uh, out of Talia and Jaden Daniels. Like yeah, Penix looked good, yeah, looked real good, uh, and his and his body too. Like he's filled out. He's he looks like an action figure, jacked, okay. like like D end jacked kind of a right. not like <laughs> not like you know two sixty pounds, but like in terms of his like a cobra. Yeah. You know, he's lean at the at the waist, and then he goes out like with the last. Yeah. Kids, kids been in the work. I know he's doing work. Right, there's no doubt. Michael Penix is out there. From what I see, that he's he's doing work, and, and he's taking this seriously. He's ready to go. So, take so that not, for what it is. Why um, not see another like twenty pounds of mass? Now you have a two twenty six eight monster out there just beefing out. You know what I'm saying? Like, why not yeah, learn under that yeah. system with all those yeah. receipts too, man? Like, come on. Yeah, great. Yeah. Your prom can wait, all right? Yeah. Great. You're gonna have you're gonna have plenty of prom opportunities. You can still go and do that in the off season, yeah. I'm sure, you know. But uh that being said, he's gonna learn under the sit under the, the Ryan Grubb uh, you know, Kalen DeBoer learning tree, which is as good a learning tree as you're gonna get. Ask Jake Hayner, ask Michael Penix, you know, he made Tom Allen over at Indiana. 
right. a seven-year contract with that 2020 season that that DeBoer mm-hmm. went and led him to a four and two record. Indiana, yeah, thanks to the <laughs> pandemic. Immediately, Tom Allen's like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna ink this seven-year deal, yep. and you can't get rid of me." And here we are. And Good luck, Indiana, the worst <laughs> team in the Big Ten. Man. So what do you think about – let's talk about the receivers. So do you see – because you also do some some uh, draft analysis. Do you think Adunze and McMillan go into this draft? Do you think one stays? What do you like about – I mean, they got more guys in the ring. You know, we got uh, – good old Jeremy came over from Michigan State. So they, they got players in the game, right? So, I mean, this is a clear, you know, shot from Austin Mack to just take over a solid squad. So what are your thoughts on who's going to stick around for Mack when he's there? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm surprised they both were third-year players last year, so they could have both gone, but they came back because everybody believes in what's going on there in the culture. Because you know, think of all this guy—he spent three years, you know, under John uh, Donahue. You know, a, a to say a mediocre offensive mind would be, I think, a pretty kind nice. and and a fair understatement. When it comes to Mr. Donahue, get those offenses sucked. So, <laughs> you know, in comes a legitimate genius, you know, right. and he's, from what I talked to, I was at the Shrine Bowl, I was at the NFLPA Bowl doing the scouting and that stuff, and, uh, and talked to Mark Bruner, who is a former tight end at the University of Washington, former Pittsburgh Steelers tight end, current Pittsburgh Steelers scout, and I spoke with him at the Shrine Bowl, and he specifically said when I asked about the program, because he, he's around it, his, I believe his, his son is going to be going there, um, is that Kalen DeBoer came in and he treated people differently. It was a different type of deal. Of the you know, Embrace the culture, embrace everybody who was there before. It, what He said it wasn't always like that with uh, the previous coaches that were, were in there. You can take that for what it is. And um, and that he had everybody 100% buying in, and that's why Jalen and Rome came back because they feel like they have unfinished business. They want to, they want a title, and they want to go to the Pac-12 championship and the CFP, and they see the path there with what's there. So, what you don't want to be around Austin Mack? You don't want to like kids, kids, right? Kid, if you can do it, you know, which he can, I'd want that. Sit around in high school and be a hometown hero. No, no, I'm gonna go and hang out and watch the yeah. full genesis of this excellent class and Penix and those guys. Ah, oh, I want to see this offense. I'm gonna be a part of that. It sounds yep. like magic. It is, man. He's setting himself up for success. Shout out to Austin Mac. That was the right choice, brother. That was a really good choice, man. So round four, pick three. I thought was a great, great option for it from Austin Mac. Good job, Jared. I think you did a great job, man. Are you ready to talk about some running backs in the Pac-12, good sir? You know where I am. You know I am. Let's do this. Let's talk first about Dylan Edwards, which this will be, I guess, Colorado's final years in the Pac-12 coming up as they will be moving to the Big 12, as we recently just learned. But he is an all-three consensus, 92.43, four-star, heading to Colorado, 5'8", 155. He's a a rocket in a sense, like a little bit just, just a fidgety guy. It's crazy a score, man. Has similar build of a running back prospect as far as like small. They compared him to Dree Archer of Kent State. Good old 2009. A little throwback for you there, Photon. Uh, small, explosive running back with Dree fast Archer. ball skills. 
Um, Edwards is the fastest ball, uh, the fastest guy in the 2023 cycle when it comes to the running backs, right? Here's where it, it, you know, like a great player explosive can get to the second level. Loved it. Well, you know, and during this draft, he went round four pick two, but this is before the news of Mr. Alton McCaskill, who's now committed over to uh, Coach Prime there at Colorado. Love me some Alton McCaskill from uh, a couple years ago. Like uh, we haven't really seen him full, but from what we heard, the injuries completely healed, and we'll probably still get to see a lot of the Alton McCaskill of old. So, what's your thought process as far as Dylan Edwards, how he could contribute? Because it sounds like Colorado's still looking for playmakers. So even if Edwards is maybe not in the backfield, maybe he can line up in a slot position or a scat back or something like that. What's your what's your thought on Dylan Edwards, and what do you think about McCaskill coming into Colorado and helping out Coach Prime in? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I like his film. Obviously, he's dynamic. I mean, if if you've seen him play, then you know that, like, okay, well, this kid, is he big? Nope. Uh, he's a blade out there. And that being said, you got Alton McCaskill, who's the one. He doesn't have to be pressed immediately into service, you know, Edwards. He can come along as a satellite back for at least a year, probably two. I mean, if we're talking about him really being an impact CFF performer, probably be as, I, I would look at him as a third three-year guy for dynasty yeah. purposes. Like you're going to be holding the taxi spot this year, which is mm-hmm. fine. Like you, you expect, yeah. that's why you have taxi spots to put Dylan Edwards on it and then see how he progresses behind McCaskill and then evaluate the room thereafter. The only thing that the big thing that'll, that'll scare you is you always feel like guys like that. You always feel like, there's going to be a wandering eye with with that coach. Is they're going to say, "All right, well, I got this guy. I need somebody who's two ten plus to do some of the other work." And with a guy like Prime, he's going to be bringing in some talented guys that are two ten plus. You know, uh, how does that affect him next year from that transfer class? Does he always get pigeonhole as a third down back if he can't, in fact, fill out his frame enough to do two down work as well as just satellite work? Does the uh, thought process of maybe he gets recruited over come to your mind at all, Froton? It seems like it's uh, like before the McCaskill, like I said, he went round four. So now it's like, I don't know if I would take Edwards in the fourth round anymore. I'd probably not, maybe eighth round or something like that. I'd drop him back a few rounds. But like, do you just feel like Prime is just going to find somebody regardless to come in behind McCaskill, or do you think that Prime – I mean, he's a great athlete. Don't get me wrong, 92.43, that's saying a lot, especially from on three. That's the consensus. That's like all four recruiting websites together, right? So it's like kid's good, but it's like uh, unless he goes a receiver, do you feel like he might be over, you know, like over-transferred or over-recruited or something like that? What's your thought process there? Yeah, I think there's a lot to that, and you could certainly make the case for it being so. Um, it stands, it's right there with the transfer lines, but it's just in the recruiting realm. And when you're already getting the number one, you know, Travis Hunter and your Kevin Coleman going to Jacksonville state, who is literally FCS, he's Mm going to recruit some talented running backs. I think it's pretty fair to say. So, um, I think it's, it's an omnipresent factor that is always going to be in the back of your mind. So you have to factor that in when you're, you're taking them it's going to push him down the board. You're going to have G5 guys that will probably be uh, you know, preferable to that. Yeah, especially if you can find some good three stars or ones that are following former head coaches, things like that. So 
Uh, where are you comfortable taking them? Do you think, you know, at this point, round four is too rich. So where are you, where are you thinking, man, round eight, 10, where, where are you comfortable? Yeah, of rookie drafts, uh, yep. CFF rookie drafts, you're looking at probably, yeah, that's six, seven, eight range. Yeah. Because of the size, you know, that's, that's just how it is. I took a few years ago, Deuce Vaughn, like he went six is right where I got him. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be in that. I think he, he's going to be in that range, you know, maybe a tick yeah. below because Deuce Vaughn was starting right out of the gate where everyone's like, it doesn't even matter. Forget it. He's the guy. Because Deuce is the man. So <laughs> Deuce, is, Deuce is the man. Dad is a, is a Dallas Cowboys scout too. You know, it's like, yeah, that tie in man. He was he was yeah. destined to at least get drafted, whether it was the Cowboys or someone in that division. I figured he was probably going somewhere around there. So that's the truth. Shout, shout out to Deuce, but we hope Dylan can get there as well. Next guy I want to talk about, I'm interested because you're a USC guy, sir. And this is Mr. Quentin Joyner on three consensus 92.18, four-star guy. We just recently learned because before this episode, uh, we found out the Relic Brown is going to wide receiver, of course. Even Deuce Robinson, former tight end, now a wide receiver. So many wide receivers in that room. But we just still have Marshawn Lloyd there in, uh, at the running back position. And we still got um, the guy that came over, Mr. Austin Jones, is still there. So they got some good guys there, man. But Quentin Joyner, pretty decent, man. Rare blend of speed and power. Uh, the Power 5 covers a guy like this, man, like 5'11", 205 pounds. I think he's probably like 210 now at the USC website. So coming on strong, man. Uh, he's compact, but he's thick in the lower one, so which means he's hard to bring down, man. He's just one of those guys that you want to see on there as well, and he has home run hitting ability. So as soon as he goes to the second level, Froton, he's gone, man. He's got great NFL upside. Uh, he could have a, a significant role. It's just, uh, you know, things are looking a little interesting at USC. You have uh, – you know, you have a little insight there being there in the in, in Southern California. What do you think about Joyner? I, I think you're I think I want to say you're a Marshawn Lloyd guy, right? You would say that would be your go to if you had to pick between them. Sure. I mean, I, I love Marshawn Lloyd, but hey, Lloyd, Lloyd is a fourth year player here. Right. He's our, boy always- Quentin, our boy Quentin Joyner is just coming on into town. Yep. You know, there's, there's plenty of room to grow with with uh, with the program. And let's be honest, if you watched the. Uh, the spring game for USC. Quentin mm. Joyner was out there early, quite often, and he looked phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. I am, I'm convinced. And and it's not like you know anything's being given to him because there is a Marion Peterson who yeah. is coming in in the class as well. And you know, not you know nothing against him, but man, I, I loved what I saw from Joyner. I think yeah. I, I think he's. He's a guy that I'm certainly targeting. Where did he go in that draft? I'm glad you asked. He had, he went round three, pick 13, which would have been round four, pick one, had it been like a 12-teamer. But being the 14, he still made it to the third round. So he would be considered late round three, early round four. And that was about, I would say, a month and a half ago is when we drafted. So it's been a little bit of time. What do you, you know, after the spring game? And like I said, Joyner, he popped just like Zachariah Branch, where I think is going to be unstoppable. Even with all those receivers, I still find a way that Branch is going to not be a year uh, one zero wide receiver. He's going to find a way to get some type of production. Do you think it's uh, inevitable that Joyner finds his way, whether it's a kick return, punt return? Do you think he alleviates some of the work from Jones or, or from Lloyd? Do you think he gets in in year one? Or do you think this is kind of like a Malachi Nelson Makai Lemon, where we just hold on for one year and then we just let him rip in the year two. What are your thoughts, man? Well, the thing is, is he has not just Lloyd. He's got, um, you know, Austin Jones in front of him, too. And Austin Jones, yeah. when 
Travis Dye went down was really good. It's not even like I think you're going to get more of a share and certainly in the passing down, he's an exceptional receiver. I want to say he's like PFF receiving grade was above 80 and, um, and was in like the 80th percent range when it comes to his catcher. It's up there anyways. Um, and, and for perspective on Joiner, I just pulled up the 14 team industry expert uh, dynasty league that all the guys are in and Cameron, excuse me, uh, Quentin Joyner went at the end of the second round. Okay, so he's moving up. Went with two ten, and he was taken by yours truly. Oh, nice! So I go. am invested in Quentin Joyner. Like I said, I, I got Malachi Nelson at the three, and I was hoping I'm like, oh, I, I need. I, I wanted a running back for my room. I was like, am I going to get who I want? You know, back here. Right. Boom! Joyner made it to the end of the second round. Snapped him up right away. Was absolutely thrilled to get him, and uh, he is on my tax squad, ready to go. Little USC double tap at number three and at the two ten. So uh, I am not just the president of; uh, I am also a client. Yes, as they would say in the old days. But yeah, I am one hundred percent in on on Joiner. Uh, I think he has complete back mold. He next year, both of those guys will be gone. And I, I sincerely, I think it's his deal. It, he is going to be the guy there. I'm in. He's got a pro comparison of Miles Sanders, and you see what Miles is doing now in the NFL. And he did a fantastic job alleviating after Saquon there at Penn State. So if that has anything, they're saying a comparison of Miles Sanders. I'm interested. I think he's going to be really good in the pros too. So your C2C guys like Quentin Joyner is a, a no-brainer, man. He's a guy that you can play in college, and you can play him in the NFL side as well, man. So. Any last thoughts on Joiner before we move on, man? Uh, straight go. I'm in. Go get yep. Quentin Joiner. As stated, I think he's a second round. If you get him in the third round, I, I think you run the board if you need a, a running back because you're not going to get much better. Maybe Roderick Robinson if you're in a C2C. Yeah. Uh, since I, I, I do like – I got to see him uh, live and in person, and that guy is 230 pounds, and he was beating people out of the slot. I just think – He's an incredible athlete, and he is is a guy I'd want to get behind for just his freakishness. But if yeah. you're talking C two C, give me Joiner. It's going to be a better spot. It's a honey hole. Forty points a game is forty points a game. They don't split it like Georgia. So I put right. him after Baxter, after Haynes. I can mm-hmm. make a case for you know of that next group of of the Owens, you know of Cam Seldon even because like right. even Cam Seldon. Uh, Heupel, look at Heupel historically, his running backs. He splits yeah. the load up. There's already Jalen Wright there. Jalen Wright is awesome. There'll be there'll be Jabari Small this year, but dude, Jalen Wright, uh, I think he takes I think he takes that job. I think he's just, later for sure. Yeah. It's happening. He's just too good. I, I've watched too much of pulled my hair out watching them being like, why isn't he getting more work? So yeah. I think Selden you know, is great, but it's, they're going to, they split it up. It's not a big spot that, that running back for, uh, you know, for Tennessee, for Heupel. I think, I think Joyner should be right there in that mix uh, after the top two. Do you still see like a, you still see Lincoln pulling in a transfer though? Like a, you know, someone from different, just like a Marshawn Lloyd just to come in to, or do you think uh, Joyner is just like all, all systems go and they're just going to, recruit somebody else. Do you think that's the case or cause it's transfer season in the USC, let's be honest. Like everyone's going where they want to go, but oh, yeah. you know, leaving town, like 
you know, once Caleb gets drafted, probably one overall, uh, you know, him and Drake one and two basically. But, you know, once he's gone, do you feel like maybe Lincoln holds up a little bit on the recruit or on the transfers, or do you think he's still transfer seasons wide open? What do you think as far as the running back room is concerned there? Well, I mean, obviously you brought in, you know, Die and Jones his first year, and then you brought in Lloyd Boy. this year. So I don't see any reason why outside competition, you know, you can't rest on your laurels at USC. Again, it's the thing with the same principle as Oregon. You are the top of the food chain. If you're transferring out, it's because you can't cut it. And if you're transferring in, it's because you're the best of the best and you want to compete with the best of the best. So it's always going to be an issue. You have to compete. Yep, you have to compete, man. But go out and get Quentin Joyner. Let's talk about our next guy. We're going to go back into the Washington system. That's Mr. Tybo Rogers, three-star guy on three consists, 86.28, committed to Washington, 5'11", 180 pounds. He is one of the most fluid and decisive backs in the country, and he can hit home run speed just like Quentin Joyner as well. Uh, he carried the ball for 1,246 yards and 10 touchdowns on 111 carries his junior season. Also caught 31 passes for 614 yards and six touchdowns. Very versatile. Um, can catch with his hands, so he throws out the diamond. He doesn't just catch with his actual numbers, which is great to see as well. Solid long speed, but not a flat-out burner. So basically, he has to get a little bit of get up and go. But once he gets going, Eric, then he's a little harder to bring down. Along with it, he's uh he's honestly one of the the purest running backs here, and all of America is what they said there at on three as well. And he's actually one of the youngest running backs in the twenty-three and three cycle. So we're talking like a Braylon Allen esque. As far as like not quite 17, but very freshly young, 18 going to the campus. Um, he's a he's a pro comparison of Darrington Evans, who played there at App State. Of course, a backup there uh, for the Titans there for a little bit. Um, but they said he is a Tybo is a little thin, thinner, but he's a more of an efficient rusher, rusher than Evans was there at App State. Tybo's been getting a lot of love in camp, man. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Washington in the run game per se, because I know it's been a little bit uh, meh, you know, in the past couple years, but. Back then, Washington was a coveted running back's position, man. Do you think uh, Ivo brings about uh, some love for the running backs there? Or do you feel like it's just wide receiver season with uh, with Penix and the crew, man? Well, I mean, DeBoer was the OC at Fresno State, and they had plenty of the Roddy Rivers revolution was going on there, of course. That was, you know, a honey hole. And, um, you know, I, I do think that in an offense that is this potent – there could be somebody to emerge and, and do that, but I don't think it'll be this year. Cam Davis is from everything I read and, and just from watching, he, he was, I thought he was better than Talapapa last year, but they like Talapapa because he was just pretty solid out of the backfield being yeah. just basically a, a receiving back the whole time at Virginia. So he was in pass pro, mm-hmm. but like Cam Davis is pretty, pretty solid as the, as the one there. Um, so just, I, I, I feel like it's gonna it's gonna take a year or so, and then there's Sam Adams there too. Keep in mind who's yeah, a little bigger than Tybo. And like you said, when I watch Tybo, uh, I, I look and I see like a, a Ricky Waters style of running. Like it's a, his pad level is high. He, he runs with kind of a high pad level. Um, mm-hmm. He's better at deflecting tacklers than he is of powering through them. Like he isn't a he isn't a drop the shoulder and, and intimidate you guy as much but like he's 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 great probing like well timed with his stiff arms and uh and like his jump cuts like he's he's pretty good with the one cuts in terms of setting them up and and attacking tacklers edges and, and having getting them off you know getting 
getting them in a prone position and, and sort of sweeping through them. Like, he's good at that, but he isn't a power, power guy. And I do think he's going to be susceptible to having, like, a, an RB1-2, like, thunder and lightning sort of combo with that. Yeah. But he does have, like, when he hits the hole, he's got juice. Yeah. Like he's He can get through that hole. He doesn't have, like, the elite-elite speed, like you're saying, right. to beat the converging safeties who have an edge on him, you know, who have, have the angle. Like, those guys look at him. But, you know, taking him from behind, once he gets there, he can generally make, keep the distance. It's just he's not going to outstretch, you know, what, what he gets after he gets that edge and, and yeah. sort of hits it. So, like, there, there's definitely – he's explosive, you know, no doubt. You know, but it, there's a reason why he's a three-star instead of, like, a, a mid-four. And, and it's that, that extra get-up. And, and, like you said, the, the slider frame. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's he's got a bit of a slider flame. One eighty, like I said, six one, six one is pretty good. Uh, pretty good height. Yeah. But one eighty needs to he needs to you know put on a little bit more size. Um, but you know as far as like he he's got it going on, man. Uh, as far as like what he's got, and he's got the they're saying he's got a possible top one hundred NFL upside. I mean, so I mean if he spends some time there in Washington, develops Ooh. a little bit more. Um, that's on three. So I mean, I you know I can't you know per se say that personally myself. But, uh, you know, for me, it's the, the leaner frame that I'm kind of more worried about. And it sounds like from what you're saying that it's not like he avoids contact, but he's not looking for it either. He's more like avoiding or he's trying to play the pinball game, if that makes sense, more than just throwing the shoulder down and just running dudes down, basically. So Yeah, he, uh, he's winning. He's winning with his speed and, and agility. You know, he's got good contact balance. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. But it isn't the, the physicality. But. Hey, you know, it's it's entirely – he's going to have to do some of that, and obviously the camp reports are good. So you're in the weight room. We've seen them them Washington boys bulk up before, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, and we'll see where he's at. But there's no doubt – there's no doubt that the skills are there. Yeah. So he actually went uh, round 14, pick seven, which I thought was solid. We had 16 rounds as far as a freshman supplemental. I think that's pretty solid, man. It's like uh, it's like you know grabbing your guy. You're just taking a shot at a guy that you really like, and you're just waiting and seeing. Maybe he becomes the guy, and you know you give him a year or two to develop. And if he hasn't, if you've had any reports in like two years, then you you know you drop him to the waivers and you pick up somebody new, basically. So, what do you think? Round fourteen sounds pretty fair for Tybo. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I'm looking at him here and trying to see where he is, and I, I don't see him. I don't even think he made uh, this Maybe list. So that's pretty good. That's pretty. Oh, actually, here he is. Oh gosh, yeah. uh, round eight, round eight. Okay. To Jordan Case, Tybo <laughs> Rogers. So yeah, he was. Uh, some love. He's getting yeah. The rounds are getting. You get. You were a month and a half ago. We were about th- yep. two, three weeks ago. So. Okay. Um, so there might be a lot more juice coming out of there. That juice is coming. Juice coming. And hey, it's 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 a big. If you hit in Washington, you hit big. Yep. And uh, shout out to Jared. You put him in the freshman 50 there in the CFF guide. So go check out the guide and see what Jared had to say about Mr. Typo Rogers. Let's talk about some wide receivers. And let's talk first about the legend of Tiger Bachmeyer going to Stanford University. On three consensus, 88.33, a three-star guy as well. Uh, the Bachmeyer family, my friend. Boise State, his brother. His other brother is going to be one of the top guys in the 2025 quarterback class. So much talent out of the Bachmeyers, man. Uh, he has been one of the state's most productive receivers since his sophomore year. Pure route runner. Um, he loves uh, jump balls, man. He catches the ball right through the middle as well. 
He's one of those guys that the pass, the quarterbacks love, the pass-catching guy that's not afraid to go in the middle, catch a football, and take a hit. Tiger Bachmeyer has been lighting the people on fire as far as the uh, pre-camp is concerned over there in Stanford. Uh, the Bachmeyer game grows uh, exponentially over in the C2C crew, at least for sure. So hopefully there's some love over at NBC Sports Edge about some Tiger Bachmeyer as well, man. But uh, he record, he's a pole vault guy, ran 11.27100 as a junior, track and field type guy, so two-sport athlete. Got a lot of stuff going for him, man. Pro comparison was Trent Irwin out of Stanford, 2018. I feel that's a kind of a lazy comparison because it's Stanford, but he did get drafted by the Bengals. And now he's, uh, I don't even know if he's on the team anymore. Too many Jamar Chases and uh, T. Higgins to count for there in Cincinnati. So who's to say that Trent's still there, man? But this is the kind of kid that uh, people want, man. And if you got, if you got uh, who you need to have, you know, you have another guy, you have, uh, you know, you got Emmett Smith's kid there. We talked to, uh, our guy Champ uh, Hampton there, who's also going there as a rookie or as a freshman as well, man. So Stanford's starting to finally, you know, the coach coming from Sacramento State, there's some good changes going on in Stanford. It's not the one where we just avoid them like the plague anymore, Eric. It's now we're like, Stanford's looking a little interesting, man. Did you get a chance to look at Tiger and see what he's about so far? First off, Tiger might have been the easiest player to scout out of anybody <laughs> in the entire country because – you know exactly which player he is on the field because his flowing locks yes. are are like all the way down to the end of his like his uh like like shoulders. Yeah, like you can't you can't really sometimes see the actual number. You just see his hair going right. and it's obscuring been- his number is twenty-four on the field or whatever yeah. it is. So um yeah, you always know where he is on the field. He is Voted most likely to get a head and shoulders, like take oh, over for Troy Polamalu when he yep. retires. Um, and in terms of athleticism, like you say, you know who he reminds me of? It isn't, you know, Trent Irwin, fair enough. That's a Stanford Stanford. He reminds me of David Sills for okay. USC, later West Virginia. Right. Where yeah. he isn't, uh, like you said, 11, 11 3 is like, Okay, you know, all right, it's all right. He doesn't yeah. blow you away with his speed. He's not no. a high-end speed guy, but he is a high-end, like, he's an athlete. All he's his cuts, he is, he is giving you everything he got selling his yeah. routes. Like, he sells the, like, in, uh, you know, a, a true, right out of boiler room, you know? Exactly. Uh, like if He's off, man. He's, he's all about it, man. He is full Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. He's just coming in with his brass balls and he's dangling them in front of the sales force. (laughs) And he's just, he's like, this is how you sell. And he is selling his routes. And it's a beautiful thing because everything he does, it's just like, it's his body sings when he moves, you know, like everything is sharp cut. It's, it's all, it's all just precise and, uh, and sharp. Like, you know, he's going, he is, it's not as fast as he goes. It's not as ramp up. It's just ramp down and it's ramp over. You know, it's it's the turning. And it's just the cuts are so clean. And, and you could put him with a tr- protractor and you could you could map him out. Um, and he's crafty. You can nope. see he's a thinking man's receiver. Like, he'll do one thing, one play when you watch him in succession. And I know, like, oh, he's going to run a he's gonna run a slant off that in a play or two. Mm-hmm. And maybe not the next play, but the next one that it's a similar route, he'll bang it inside instead of the outside if he's covered. And 
you you see what he he's smart and the way he runs, the way he does everything, the you know the pole vaulting absolutely when he's high pointing balls, he's just an athlete. And those type of guys, it reminds me of Sills because Sills just had that preternatural natural ability to come down when it's the red zone. Like okay, this, we're ten yards out and it's third down. Well, we're just gonna isolate Sills and say, go get it, and he would. And that's like what you see out of Bachmeyer is just the guys who are just so crafty, so much body control and just, you know, um, just the ability to have his body move and sing in unison. Just do everything he wants. Spin, cut. That's what I see out of Tiger Bachmeyer. And obviously, like, hopefully everything works out for him because they have Troy Taylor in there. And and he absolutely, Sacramento State was a first-rate FCS uh, school. Uh, Scatabo came out of there. So did Marte Mapu, yep. uh, who I scouted and saw in person. He was he was a nobody. Marte Mapu was at, I believe, the Hawaiian Bowl. Then I saw him at the NFLPA Bowl. Then he got an invite to the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. And based off of like all that, like, he worked his way up through the whole draft process and got a third-round pick by the Patriots. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with the culture. So like he's a great fit. He's from right down the road, Sacramento State. Yep. It had to, it was time to go for David Shaw. Like, let's be honest, it was he was done. He was burnt out. Mm-hmm. Get somebody, get a new regime in, and uh, and let's go. So, hey, uh, rumors are Elijah Brown is looking at Stanford pretty hard. Yep. If he goes to Stanford, which I know they're recruiting him hard because mm-hmm. I talked to him and he said Stanford's recruiting me hard, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and then he likes Stanford. Elijah Brown goes there, and it's going to be wheels up for Tiger Bachmeyer because it's 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 a hodgepodge in there right now. Who knows who's going to be the guy? He's going to be already almost serviceable, but they just Who need knows? to give Bachmeyer right. <laughs> Elijah Brown gets in there, you know, modern days QB and sharp kid. I talked to him a lot at the Elite Eleven. He ends up going to Stanford. It's on next year for Tiger Bachmeyer. Yeah, he's going to have if you know Brown gets in there, it's going to be a different level of QB. Because he can yeah. play, and he will be the next version of Costello and, and McKee, the next bonus baby QB to go in there and, and light it up. Yeah, man. So I want to see the comparison. About a month and a half ago, he went, steal the draft, round 16, pick seven. Someone literally just took the foul on him. This is before the CFF guy, before all this stuff, before the Bachmeyer hype is here. So I want to see now, as the Bachmeyer gang grows, how, he, how he's looking nowadays. Round six. And the 14-team ID uh, uh, industry expert dynasty league. Round six. So that's 10 rounds, or if you're depending mm-hmm. on 10, 10 members. So it's roughly – all right, so we eight rounds. So that's like an eight-round jump, basically, if you think about it, compared to a 14-teamer, man. Yep. That's and for the record on, on Austin Mack, he went in round four. Okay. Just, just for the record on that. So that's uh, – It sounds like Mack's kind of kept his – value the same, whereas Bachmeyer is jumping up draft boards, basically, which is great, which means you're not going to find Bachmeyer on waivers anytime soon. So no, uh, no. Round 16, pick seven. I think that was a Bainbridge pick, man. I think he, I think that was a smart pick. So uh, whether it's Bainbridge or I think it might have been, uh, it could have been Josh. I'm not sure. But one of them grabbed him, I think, near the end, which was a great, really great pick, man. So Bachmeyer game, rise up. Let's talk about some cow guys. Let's talk about Isaiah Hunter, an on-three consensus, 90.09, a four-star athlete, 6'2", 192 pounds. 
Uh, he was uh, undrafted in the one, but he was picked up very shortly after uh, in waivers as soon as they were available. So it was a guy that people didn't really see in the first 16 rounds of about a month and a half ago, but someone picked him up. Um, thickly built receiver prospect who plays with a low center of gravity. He has some bounciness to his game is what they said in on three. He measures, like we talked about, the 6'2", 192. Um, he glides around his 10.7, 300-meter. Not bad. Impressive 21.91, 200 meter, and he's uh he you know did a junior and senior year of track and field. Um, he jumped a 30 inch vertical and a nine foot two or nine foot two broad jump, so he's got some spring to his step as well. Um, he says they lack ideal length, but makes it up as far as his speed and bounce. So though he doesn't have a big catch radius per se, he makes up with as far as going up and getting the football. So he makes more plays as far as with his bounce and what he has as well. They said if he can be he can be more of a media role player, however, he needs to be a little bit more developed with his consistent hands. Don't like to see that on that one as well. But Cal's looking for some more people. Of course, Studevant had transferred right over to UCLA to play with Dante and the crew there. Um, so I thought that was a good move. But Cal needs a standout wide receiver. They have another hunter there that's looking pretty solid already. But who's to say that Isaiah might not be the next guy up with a high pedigree there, Cal? Do you think Cal is capable of holding one to two wide receivers? Do you think there's just a one guy? Because uh, they don't even have Plummer anymore. Uh, I think they have uh, Jackson, right? Didn't he transfer? And he's the Sam the Jackson. Yeah. Sam Jackson. That's correct. Yes. Tennessee. I kind of like Jackson there at Cal, man. I think that's a nice little fit. I do. Well, yeah, they had uh, Bill Musgrave was their offensive coordinator last year, former longtime NFL OC. So he's now gone. Um, so it's a case where. All right, you know, what happens now in the new system? They were chucking more than they had since, frankly, the um, since the Sonny Dykes era there at Cal. They really were. They threw 270, 268 yards per game, I believe is what it was, 270. Uh, but they ran for less than 100 yards per game. I cannot see Justin Wilcox, a defensive-minded coach, it's been this year seven for Wilcox, uh, coming in and saying yes. Jake Spavital, I'm okay with you not running the ball at all and just leaving my defense out here to dry after they gave up 28 points a game last year, and that's a touchdown increase over what they allowed the year before. They're in the low 20s, 21-22. So it was like basically I, I remember like a full touchdown more. So I can't see that happening again. I don't think they're just going to be airing it out indiscriminately, going with a 270-95 to 95 split rushing to passing, you know, they're not going to accept running for three and a half yards per carry again. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. I could be wrong, but I thought that was kind of more out of necessity. Uh, they're going to try to establish things a lot more on the line this year. They have 92 returning career starts. So um, in terms of whether or not there'll be room for two, I, I mean, this year, it's going to be Jeremiah Hunter, not Naziah, yeah. who, you know, is the leading returning receiver. He had 965 yards last year. Keep in mm. mind. I mean, that's that's a pretty good showing. So yep. with Hunter back, um, I, I, he will be ruled a roost, but he's an upperclassman. You know, this is year one. You, you can't really look at these as one-year investments. That's that's not going to be correct. But, you know, when I look at Naziah Hunter, uh, first thing that jumps out is physicality at the line. Like, he – imposes his will he will get to his spot he's bigger than the guys that are in high school and he's nastier and he knows it 
And he went out there and he bullied some of those smaller corners, especially in run, he you know, run sport. They're bullying, bullying people. And when he's getting the ball on those short curls, like he's able to, he can break tackles. He's got yak ability. And it isn't just what he's doing downfield. I know that he's, he's obviously like watching on tape. He's, he's faster than Tiger. Um, but he's bigger than you think. Like he can, he can move for a guy his size and the physicality he plays with, you know what I mean? Um, he could be a real factor here. And this is a big get for Cal. I'll be completely yeah. honest. This, this is a big Very get high. for them yeah. and this, uh, you know, this class. And they got another, like, Marquise Montgomery was pretty good, too. He, yeah. he was a, uh, a Juco that Cal picked up, too. So, like, yeah. hey, hey get, getting, getting a couple of pretty damn good skill players to uh, yeah. to come in. So, Props to the new system. And, and Hunter, it wasn't like he was a – he was, you know, jumping off the page. He wasn't a, a big, huge, huge guy. But he – he, um, in terms of what he's capable of, and, you know, that's pretty – on three has him at four-star. That's interesting. That's the consensus. That's them 24-7, ESPN, uh, all of them together in a consensus. But, yeah, it turned out to be a four-star. Pretty nice. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see he came on late, he, he, like run the camp yeah. scene, what have you, because his tape is obviously he's an, he's obviously athletic. It's a matter of how he hones that, but he'll have time. He's got time for sure. Um, like I said, he went undrafted. Do you think he's worth a pickup as far as the waiver is concerned, or are you more of a watch list type of guy when it comes to Isaiah, or what's your thought process on where you be comfortable, if anything, drafting him at all? Yeah, I didn't see him go in this draft, um, you know, here. So I would say – you know, I'm. I need to see what comes out of camp and see where yeah. he's at. You gotta say you only have so many spots here, and you have to account for bye weeks. And there's a lot of other freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, he he should be on the radar, absolutely. But I need to see what does this Cal offense look like too. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of conjecture surrounding this program offensively and where it's going to be going with this season with me. So I want to I want to hear some more camp reports before I commit. I agree. I uh, think wait for the summertime. See if we see his name pop up. That's not Jeremiah Hunter. Let's make sure that we get the numbers right when we're watching both of these guys play and stuff like that. But keep uh, I would say the watch list. I'm not sure if I'm personally ready to do waivers just yet, but I definitely put them on the star watch list for sure. So keep an eye on Isaiah Hunter. Let's talk about Mikey Matthews on three consensus. Ninety one point three seven four star. Committed to Utah. Um, one of the oldest prospects in the 23 cycle. So he's very much developed. But uh, his route running, he's a savant, man. He's one of the top body control specialists in this cycle as well. One of the best receivers in the country at manipulating the body at a catch point and puts himself in the position to catch the football, a.k.a. he gets open, basically. Uh, he lacks ideal, uh, ideal you know, body size at 5'10 and a half, 173 pounds. Room to add size to as well, but as far as like being able to get open, make a difference, man, he's there. Uh, he's he's a burner, but he's it's not super top end speed, but they say it's elite speed if that makes sense. So uh, 11.07, 100 meter, 200 meter. He did 22.79. Um, his high, he's got a high fourth prospect. Uh, he's a menace to cover man to man, so it's hard to just cover this guy. He gets open. 
I see it way more better than a, a Brenton Covey situation ever was. And we get it, man. Like Utah is tight end city, right? That's where the tight ends go to play. That's where they bully people. That's where they get drafted, right? Good old Kincaid. And now we have Kuthi coming in there as well. And another guy, the tight end. But Froton, I want to get your prospect. A man, like if a good prospect like this finally comes into Utah, they finally land a high four star. Do you think that changes the narrative or do you think this is for now the system is only a tight end playground? What, what's your thoughts about Mikey Matthews? his prospect, and then him coming into Utah and trying to make a difference in year one. Yeah, well, when you watch Matthews, it's he his ability to, one, return punts in that respect, I think I do see the Britton Covey, uh, you know, roll similarly yeah. because, dude, you, he should be returning punts. You want Mikey Matthews yeah. returning punts for you. He's dynamic. Him. Yeah, because he's, he's very shifty. Like his – the bounce routes, um, just his change of direction – you know, the way he sinks his hips so hard and is able to just sort of like pinball his way out, um, mm-hmm. you know, when, when he's catching those. He, he had a lot of those extended handoff type catches where, you know, he'd take a, a step back, they go block and just read the, the way. And that's, that's a perfect usage for him. You know, the, that's the, the bubble screens, things like that, because you get him with the ball in his hands in space. The whole idea is you just get him the ball in space and let him go. Just get it in his hands away from the line of scrimmage because he's he's not going to be able to handle interior work or anything like that. And he's a dynamic playmaker. Definitely in terms of athleticism, he has more than Britton Covey did. Um, but Britton Covey was a lot of savvy, you know, of course, and just just sharp. But athletically, yeah, he's, he's obviously a better athlete than he was. And if he can work that slot role without a doubt you see him aggressively go up and get passes you know downfield i don't know if that's something that like, you're not going to line him up outside in college that's just not going to work at five nine like he, you can see he's smaller um but if you're going to work him in the slaughter at least you know like 70 30 uh that's where you're going to be using him. you're not going to be throwing the go ball jump balls to him but change of direction shiftiness you know crisp routes with the punt return acumen yeah yeah mikey matthews is gonna be a factor for cff purposes um in some of our leagues the leagues that we play in you get kick return yardage i like kick and punt return yards i think that's freaking awesome the fsga league that we'll be doing next tuesday will be kick and punt return yards included so um i I made it that way i'm like that's how it's going to be i want these so Guys like that in that league, yeah, you want to pay attention to him. Otherwise, I think you can wait and see. For sure. Um, he was He's undrafted, but he was picked on the waivers. That was actually by me personally. I wanted to grab him. Uh, for a time, I see a narrative like the Pac-12 is kind of known like the ACC, man. Not a lot of defense for the most part. There's the, the occasional teams that will throw in some defense, but mainly it's a very much offensive one. So it's like – if Utah plays anyone in their conference, they're not stopping those tight ends, especially like Keithy, Kincaid last year. There's just no stopping those guys, right? But outside of conference, do you think maybe Utah will have to transition to a sure bet guy like a Mikey Matthews because maybe Keithy's getting double teamed and things like that? Or they're doing two tight end sets. What if they're blocking the tight ends? Does that open up the room for Mikey Matthews? You know, as our as our boy Cameron Rising even capable of you know type type of doing that? What's your thoughts outside of the Pac-12 for the for Utah? I know they play Florida. Again, I think, and a few other options. So I know they got some outside conference. Do you think Mikey Matthews shines in maybe one of those games in, uh, you know, in years to come? 
Oh gosh, I would I would think he's definitely going to have some some signature moments. Of course, in fact, my cousin uh, is Cole Bishop, who's the starting okay. safety for Utah. Awesome. So uh, I've got nothing but love and Froton blood running through my veins over there. So love for the Utah. Yeah, I think they're going to handle Florida pretty pretty easily. I don't see Graham Mertz being able week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, out there with with a new team, Napiers and and such, with a new wide receiver core. I mean, Pierce Hall, maybe. <laughs> you know, they're, they're losing uh, Osiris Torrens off the line. Like they're Gervin Dexter on the D front. Like they're losing a lot, and yeah. I just feel like they're going to need another year before they're there. I don't think they're there this year. I thought it was a reset year. This is really like a year one for them. Yeah. And, uh, I think Utah provided Cam Rising is under center, which frankly is no guarantee. Mm. Uh, it, it, if you heard the, like, you know, read the tea leaves of what Kyle Winningham was saying at right. 12 media days, certainly was indicating, Hey, uh, he might not be able to go there. And he just tore his ACL in January. So yeah. Hey, the, the, just it very, very, very tail end of the season, last game of the season. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you know, ACLs have become, as I like to say, like Tommy John surgeries. They are, yeah. In, in baseball for pitchers. But hey, look, that this still limits to the human body, no matter how much Cam Rising wants to be back. Body can do what his body can do, you know, and ACL, <laughs> very end of the year. Taking shots low, you know, he's getting hit. He's going to yep. run. Mm. You know, that's uh, – I, I hear the coaches, you know, couching that. And it gets me uh, gets me concerned. Yeah. Well, hopefully they can get it together. Hopefully we can see Mikey Matthews sooner rather than later. But he definitely is a guy that you want to at least put on the watch list or maybe pick up waivers, see what finds out. But I think that's a, a nice little comparison. So we're going to wrap up the Pac-12, but – are you ready to do a little big fish, small pond, good sir, where I bring you up a G5 guy to see what your thoughts is, is maybe him starting in year one as a freshman. Are you ready to go? Oh, boy. What are we doing here? Let's see. I want to talk about Tulane. I want to talk about Arnold Barnes on three consensus. Oh, Tulane. 5.47, a three-star athlete committed to Tulane. I want to talk about Ashad Clayton. What's your thoughts about Clayton and Tulane? Do you think he's a sure bet guy like Michael Pratt? Or we've been getting rumblings of this guy, and we'll talk about him in just a second. But Arnold Barnes making a splash with the green wave already. What's your thoughts about Clayton? Does he a surefire bet as far as taking over that backfield? You know, it's, uh, it's produced some CFF gold. It's produced some NFL draft stock as well. So what's your thoughts about Tulane? What's your thoughts about Clayton overall? Do you think he just runs away with it? Well, I mean, the good thing about Barnes, he's smart. It goes to show if you go in the spring, then – Good things happen, and even as a true freshman, you know, you go and you prove yourself in spring because he was like there was there was two recruits that came. It was him and Trey Cornus, yeah, uh, to Tulane. So like, who knows? They they were both right there, right in the yeah. same sort of uh, rankings, pretty pretty close. They were so like the fact that each other actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And like Barnes was um, was in for spring, and, and Cornus wasn't. Mm-hmm. So he's out there competing with Shoddy. And uh, the Celestine prophecy, Ever- Iverson Celestine. Yep. I, lo- I love saying that. That's an old book from the 90s, <laughs> the Celestine prophecy. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, 
obviously with Tajay Spears, a program legend, moving on, being drafted, you know, NFL draft, even with a bum knee, you know, apparently two ACLs. The King had um, solid. Yeah, it's still whatever. Um, the point is, you know, I like Shadi Clayton a lot. I thought I I took him in the program C2C supplemental draft this year. Oh, nice. Okay. This offseason. So he's a guy that I do believe in. I liked what I saw when I was doing my film work on Tulane when he did spell Tajay Spears. So I do think that uh, that Shadi will get out of the gate the, the looks. But, hey, every year, especially in the G5, mm-hmm. you think you know these running back pecking orders. And they a lot should. of times they say, this guy's been here longer. So he's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always work out that way, now, does it? Like the best laid plans in college football. It ain't like the NFL where it's like, oh, this guy's going to be the the number one guy if they're there. That ain't how it is in college. There's Mind always th- three guys <laughs> coming up, especially in these G5 programs. You don't really know. You got to read tea leaves. So mm-hmm. the fact that you're hearing that, that sort of smoke coming out of camp, yeah, Arnold Barnes is a guy that uh, 100% deserves a pickup. In college fantasy leagues, no doubt about it. Got to respect. 5'10", 225. He's a bowling ball, man. Ran for 1,722 yards, 22 touchdowns as a senior, 381 yards rushing and six total touchdowns. And uh, a big, big rivalry on over there. So he showed out when it mattered the most at the high school level, man. Ran for 202 yards and two touchdowns and only 12 carries in a game at one point. The kid is spectacular. If you're watching YouTube, you can see him. He's compact. He's, he's a mean green. He's a machine, man. Like, Arnold Barnes is scary, man. I don't know. If I, if I was a Clayton truther, I don't know, man. I'd have a little bit of sweat going down my brow worrying about if Arnold Barnes is going to take some of these carries away, man, especially even in year one. And that's why he made the CFF guide. He's getting the smoke, man. I picked him yeah. up on waivers. I'm surprised he went. He didn't go through the 16 rounds. Wow. He, no way. You got him on waivers? He went, in the, fifth, he went in the fifth round in our, our league. And that was like a month and a half ago. And I just picked up Barnes maybe three weeks ago or something like that. So – Steel. Yeah, dude. Absolutely Great steel. Pickup. But I'm saying, uh, you know, I think Shady's got what? He's got a couple years left, I want to say. He's got a, a few but years But he's left. a retro freshman. Okay. Yeah, Shady. So he's so this is he an ongoing future battle between Shady and probably Barnes and maybe even the other one as he comes in too as well. But Barnes has got the head start, and we saw what that does, especially programs like Oklahoma, if you can get in there and get the early start. You know, poor Gavin Salchuk is just now getting the opportunity, you know, to do his thing in Oklahoma, whereas – you know, they, they had the other one ahead of him, and then he got in, banged up, so he's doing it. So who's to say Barnes is, you know, ahead of the game? Something happens to Clayton. Barnes might just take this role and just keep it, you know? So, like, we, you just never know. But I think Barnes, you, if you're hearing the reports correctly, he's a guy that you need to circle and probably pick up almost ASAP if he's on waivers. But if not, you need to be drafting him, especially in Dynasty. Now, in redraft, I don't say, you know, don't be doing all that crazy stuff. Wait for the waiver wires, stuff like that. Wait for the games to get played. But – uh, in Dynasty, he's a pickup for sure, man. Uh, what's your what's your sentiments, man? Pair Barnes, or do you think uh, you just grab all the Tulane Green Wave and, and just keep them on the bench, see what happens? Or what, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, when it comes to cost of acquisition, it ain't gonna it ain't gonna cost you much. No, you know? um, that's the good thing about it is you'll be able to to get if you want to pair those two Barnes and and uh, Shotty, then you're gonna have Willie Fritz's one-two punch, whoever emerges from that battle royal, you're going to have them going forward. And if somebody does emphatically, if it's Barnes that emphatically takes that one spot, 
Well, you can just go and drop shoddy then and adios and move on, you know, done. Then it worked. Mm -hmm. It worked. So I have no problem doing that. And for cost of acquisition, it's probably what you should be doing. Yep. So remember the name Arnold Barnes, man, making some waves and the green wave there in Tulane. But Eric, I want to thank you for coming on, brother. It's always a pleasure to have you on as well. One more time before we leave, tell the people where they can find you and some of the stuff that you got coming up and give them one more uh, sneak peek about that uh, that draft coming up there in the Hall of Fame coming up. Tell them about that. Yeah, absolutely. You can always find me on NBC Sports Roto World. It's all just one website now. So that's the NBC Sports proper website. And find me on over there. I will be writing about uh, all things, be it college football, betting, props, early lines, uh, things of that nature. I'll also be doing uh, a Sunday night show and working, doing some work with Fantasy Pros for the upcoming season. Awesome. Very proud to be associated with that. Have a Devi. Uh, there's a Debbie piece coming out tomorrow that I have uh, some takes in. Always got some takes uh, on the fantasy pros side of things, so that'll be there. And uh, and yeah, I'm just wrapping up. Uh, I'll have Ohio State, my Ohio State analysis column coming out tomorrow as well. So staying busy, staying busy out here, Brandon. Doing my best, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, man. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. Always a fun time to see my fellow wrestling uh, connoisseur friend here. We only made a few references tonight. We kept it light for you, brother. Uh, but it's it's all good to have you, man. Of course, I'm Brandon Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. Find most of our work at campuscan.com. We got one more conference left. We got the ACC. I got Mr. Justin Heisey of CFF Insiders coming on next week, so that'll be a fun time. A little Clemson, a little Tar Heel talk, you know, all that fun, good stuff as well. And then we'll be getting into the season pretty soon, man, so I'm excited. But uh, thank you guys for listening, in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.